Hello, this is Jamie. And this is Heather. And welcome to Using Our Inside Voice, a podcast where we awaken to the extraordinary meaning of everyday mundane life by passing it through a particle collider of different and differing perspectives. So in today's show, we're going to be talking about deep and sudden inspiration. We've been hit with it. Have you? Ooh, nice leading. <laughs> thank you. We have been hit with it too. I've I've had multiple moments where I'm hit with so much inspiration for so many different projects all at once that I can't even keep track of it. So I just asked the guy, I'm just like, all right. Whatever's important for right now, I, I have to jump into it. And sometimes I'm not in a position to jump into it. So I don't even have the ability to jot a note down at that time. Like, for instance, I'm in meditation and I don't have a me sitting there with a steno pad taking notes on my behalf. You know what I mean? So I'm like, That needs what? to be a thing, though. I know, right? That needs it, to be a thing. Well, that's, that's the QHHT session is that you have a me sitting by a you and not only that, but you have mm. an audio recording of it. So you the information is never lost and you get to speak freely. You don't have to keep track of your own stuff. But I don't have a me sitting by a me while me is receiving these messages. <laughs> and as a result, I don't – I'm unable to retain all of the stuff because it comes in so rapidly, which is delightful. I mean, it's a rich man's problems, but it's still a bit of an issue. And um, – so it was happening to me while I was in meditation, uh, hell, yesterday. And it sounds so funny to say, well, I was in meditation because it's not like I'm an avid meditator. I'm not, you know, practicing Wim Hof techniques. I'm not um, sitting in a special sacred space in my room <laughs> or in a room um, chanting Om. It's nothing that spectacular or special. Uh, it just happened to be something that I was doing yesterday. And while I was doing it, it felt like I either had the choice to leap out of meditation and jot everything down or stay in meditation and stay with the meditation and hope that it all came back to me. And I think most of it came back to me and whatever didn't come back to me, I suspect the guides will tell me again later. Like possibly even during this episode. Hopefully during this episode, I'll take it because at least then it's recorded right and that happens mm -hmm. a lot mm -hmm. so you know i think sometimes when you think you've lost something go call somebody and talk to them about it because most likely it's just going to start pouring out again or something they will say will trigger it or you know just the conversation will just kind of loop around i mean something that triggers it that's kind that's of what nine that's nine out of ten every of our phone calls yeah, Nine yeah, out exactly. of 10 of our phone calls are exactly what that is. Is So yeah. I was dreaming and when I woke up, blah, 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 blah. Or I was in meditation and when I came out of it, or I was doing the dishes. Because believe it or not, doing the dishes counts for some mm -hmm. people as meditation. It can be very meditative to do dishes or take your dog on a walk or sit in the park. You don't have to just be omtastic in order to think of yourself as meditating. We meditate all the time. Mm -hmm. And in little spurts is great. Like the, if you can only mm -hmm. meditate for 30 seconds at a time, woohoo, that's 30 mm -hmm. seconds that yeah. you did your brain some good. Right. You did your, your inner some good. Yeah. And I feel like people are going to take that, like the same people who are, I can't meditate or the same people who I can't nap and don't believe in power naps. No, that'll just make yeah. me more tired or no, power naps don't work for me. Power naps work if you do them correctly. <laughs> it may take some figuring out 
what your exact correctness is. And the same thing Mm -hmm. goes for power meditation. You can meditate for a minute, 30 seconds, a minute, five minutes, whatever. My top out seems to be 20 minutes. That's awesome. I don't seem to be able to go past 20 minutes very easily. One of two things happens. If it's a guided meditation, a guided journey, then I'll go so deep that it's questionable whether or not I'm asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if it's not a guided meditation, it's just me on my own sinking down into that relaxed space, then 20 minutes seems to be ping, like I'm turned on again. Nice. Almost exactly 20 minutes. Yeah. It's weird. That, then that's what you need. Apparently. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I don't I don't bother fighting or arguing with it. I used to because I was like, maybe I can work up to it. And I was like, girl, what are you working up to? Did you feel relaxed? Did it benefit you? Then leave it the hell alone. <laughs> Sometimes my best stuff comes like when I'm sitting in water. Sure. Like in, like in the bathtub in the morning. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Even after I've had a meditation, like I've had a meditation, and then I get near water, and then all of a sudden, there's like a whole new spin of stuff that comes out. And I'm like, interesting, interesting. And it always makes me think. And then most of the time, I call you. And I'm like, here's all this interesting stuff that bubbled up while I was in water. I always like the interesting talks. Right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is going to be interesting because I've had some inspiration, too. And we've mm-hmm. been talking about it because I pretty much told you right away what the inspiration was. <laughs> and so I feel like it's experiment time again. Yes. I, been, by the way, I have been waiting for experiment time to yeah. come back for a long time. I have not had someone to regularly experiment with when it comes to channeling, um, guided journey, all of that stuff. I had a partner for several years. He was awesome, but it just faded out. Eventually, you get tired of mm-hmm. experimenting. You run out of ideas with which to experiment, and that happened with us. And And ever since then, I've been like, I just want to play. I want to play with these spiritual techniques and tools that we've picked up along the way mm-hmm. and see how what they lead to. What do they? How do we enhance them or ourselves or use them to enhance ourselves? There's so many questions. How can we how can we stretch them? How can we use them in slightly different ways? How what kind of interesting information can we gather when we decide to um, test their limits a little bit and see you know what what is possible? Right. So um, as I've been walking through this journey with all of the ancestry goodness and and really diving into that and really at the same time as I'm uh, doing all the work and I'm doing several projects and working with some people now. And, um, it's been really great. I have all of these other ideas that keep popping into my head about how we're related and how we're all connected and what that means energetically. And I started watching a documentary on Amelia Earhart and it was one that I hadn't seen yet. And I'm like, ooh, documentary. Love documentaries. Let's watch it. (laughs) So I start watching it. And I started thinking about the fact that um, one of the famous people that came up in my nifty little family search that said, hey, look at all these cool people you're related to. 
Amelia Earhart was one of those people. And she's definitely one of those historical figures that's always kind of rang an extra bell for me. Every time I hear her name or think about her story, my interest is immediately piqued and and my little bloodhound sniffing out the story and detective and trying to get all the details just totally gets turned up all the way. And I immediately want to dive in and figure it out and go, okay, so let's, uh, let's, let's talk about this. Let's figure it out. Let's, let's, let's try to figure out what the hell happened. Um, yet it was interesting this time because as I'm watching the documentary and they spent a good time in the beginning, kind of setting up, you know, who was she, what kind of life did she lead? And immediately one of the things that I was drawn to is I'm looking at all these pictures of her and I'm listening to all these stories about her and I'm looking at her going, man, she was living a very rich experience based on past life happenings. This girl was triggered. This was so like, not just so like for, for the people that may not be familiar with ancestry and past lives and how they may or may not relate, kind of break that down. What does that mean? A rich okay. experience. So this is kind of how my guides have shown it to me. And and I want to say even more than my guides, my higher self has shown it to me. You take source, who is this creator energy, and we break source up, okay? And in fact, my guides have led me to the fact that, you know, when we're thinking about the Big Bang, they're like, this is the Big Bang. This is the moment when Source says, I want to experience. I want to experience all the experiences. And la poof. Fragment, la fragment, poof. fragment, 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 <laughs> fragment. La this bang. Is how it, well, in my head, it was more of like this really fun, cosmic, glittery psh, <laughs> and there went all of the fragments and I'm like ooh fragments and then those fragments go into their own fragments and it just keeps dividing up and dividing up and dividing up as the various fragments of energy that all have their own little signature they all fit together but they all they all have their own signature as well start to experience different different lives and different dimensions and different planes and um you know in in different skin human and cosmic and all the things and so in my mind as i'm kind of tracing all this i'm thinking okay so if i can see amelia Earhart, and amelia Earhart is connected to me i have we have shared DNA, then this is part of my fragments line. This is part of my fragments uh, experiences. So I'm kind of threading back the stories of all of my various fragments as I'm weeding through my ancestry and all of my various connections. And so in the case of Amelia, 
I'm looking at her and the thing that pops out to me the most, even aside from her amazing story, is I'm looking at her going, man, this is, it's so interesting when you get to an individual like that who defies so many things, defies so many norms, goes out of her way to make certain things happen and certain things just kind of fall into alignment. It's like there has to have been something that came before that, that informed that energy, that this was possible, that then triggered her to go, okay, I'm going to go out and do this thing that literally no other female has done. And in a lot of cases, no other person had done, period. So I'm like, where is, where did that come from? What, what was the energy that came before that? Where did that line get that, that wild hair to say, <laughs> go explore all of these things? Because she really did like, it was very interesting. She has, and I haven't even dug into everything yet, but the type of things that they were bringing up was you know she she came from kansas and apparently she had come from a fairly wealthy family but was raised by her grandmother and apparently grandmother was very big on decorum and you know being proper and Amelia was very big on uh, not listening to a word that her grandmother was trying to tell her. <laughs> and that, of course, also immediately is like, ooh, I love a cheeky broad. Mm -hmm. Hand me a cheeky broad any day. I love that. I love that in a person. Um, so to have this energy that was like, no, I'm not going to, you know, sit pretty in a little dress and and just behave. I'm going to go climb all over all the things. And apparently uh, it was, it became kind of a thing the, with all the kids were playing. She would tear up one, you know, expensive dress after another plane. And, and to the point where they finally said, okay, fine, we're going to make you some play clothes. And then she, she wore the play clothes out, but the play clothes were the, you know, the drapes like are in her pants, bedroom. You know, the, the pants and the, you know, the long sleeve shirts and stuff that she could rough and tumble in and, and get dirty. And she loved it. And so, you know, seeing that kind of take, take root early on in her childhood and then to watch kind of how that grew. It's like she went to college she worked as a, let me see if I can remember, worked as a telephone operator. She worked with children as a social worker. She went to different countries when she was younger and explored different countries, working for various outfits that kind of helped in those ways. And then at one of her jobs she was watching she i guess she was um uh stationed near an airbase and was in a flight path basically <laughs> watching these planes take off and was like wow that's really exciting that sounds awesome i i want to do that i want to learn how to do that and eventually 
took flying lessons and learned how to fly. And it's like, where did all of that gumption come from? What informed that? And I'm just sitting there and all of a sudden I'm thinking, hmm, wouldn't it be cool if I could connect with Amelia's energy and ask her what past life energy or remnant she had connected with that triggered all of that cool energy to come forward. It was just this instantaneous out of left field, crazy bubbled up thought that came into my head. And once it did, I could not let it go because that's <laughs> all I could do for the rest of the documentary is I had, I'm like, Oh yeah, that's really cool. Oh, great evidence there. Oh, that's, that's a good question. And in the back of my head, yes. And then what would that other energy have to say about this? I want to know what that other energy would have to say about this. This is kind of cool. And, and I had to call you afterwards and say something because I'm like, okay, it's like, let's quantum question. <laughs> <laughs> if I am connected to Amelia Earhart and we could put me under and I could connect with Amelia Earhart, then I could I technically connect with the energy that triggered all of these crazy adventurous ideas in her because you can mm -hmm. definitely tell just just looking it's like man there were there there were too many other things just one one door would open after another and it's like you, you that's that's a pattern that's based on another pattern <laughs> I'm like, and that just really interests me. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, and I don't understand, like, the question is not hard to answer at all because people channel other people, other energies all the time. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, I've had people channel the Galactic Federation. I've had people channel historic figures. I've had people, and that's all that you're doing when you, even when you're in a QHHT mm -hmm. session, it's all part of the same energy. It's just using different tools to access the information. So of course we can use QHHT to access that kind of information. I've done it in the past. The added step of following and tracing back that energetic line of what the impetus was for her pursual, pursual, is that a word? I don't know if it's Did a word, just but go with break it. break English? Anyway. You might have broken her English. Just keep going. For her to pursue, like <laughs> for her to pursue whatever she felt she needed to pursue. You mm -hmm. know, it's weird with Amelia Earhart because it seems, no offense to Amelia or the line that um, inspired the trip, the, the fatal trip, the last trip, but it seems almost like a uh, sort of... I don't know. Um, what was the word? I just had it. I'm not going to English well today, apparently. Um, sort of a, a flimsy kind of idea. Like it really is one of those ideas that's just I'm doing it because I want to do it, mm -hmm. which in and of itself should be enough reason to do anything. But when you think about how it ended up for her and her co-pilot, um, it kind of makes you wonder what the actual reason 
for that right was. like it had to be more than just a wild hair up your butt to go fly around the world there had to be some kind of i feel like and i've always felt like even when i was little because the library near my house has a, an amelia Earhart statue it's always been the amelia Earhart library and i always kind of looked at that statue going why though why do we have a statue of amelia Earhart? because i had heard the story but i didn't really understand the significance and that's mm -hmm. the issue that i had with the whole amelia Earhart thing not that i think what she did was insignificant but compared to what people seem to think is significant in society in general, it seemed rather insignificant other than the fact that she didn't make it out alive. However, spiritually speaking, I always felt that there was a greater reason. There was a reason, just like with the Titanic, with these huge historic stories, there is a reason that these things happen. It's to anchor in a new awareness on the planet. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm really fascinated about it, with the idea of speaking not just to Amelia herself, but tracing back that energetic line, where did that anchoring agenda begin with this particular energy? What was the particular energy? What was it needed for? And where did it begin? That's, yeah. That sounds exactly. like an incredible story. Because it, what it seems like is that like as I'm watching all of all of these different parts of her story unfold in this documentary, which I've seen, I'm sure dozens of documentaries on her before in my lifetime. And, but I'm feeling like she was channeling. It felt like everything that she was doing was really specific channeled energy. And it's like, what is that? That's, that's, that is what, triggered me this time was just seeing all these little pieces of the story build up and I'm like there's something else to this there's so many little interesting facets like I thought it was interesting that like the very first uh like big accolade that she she had she wasn't even flying she was just a passenger and it was said later that she said in an interview, she's like, yeah, I felt like a sack of potatoes. Like I'm more than a sack of potatoes. <laughs> like I want to actually do this thing. And so the, then she did the path again. And that was her first big solo flight. And that was one of the next big things that she got tagged for was this huge solo flight. And it felt like this one was really like it, it was meant to anchor in a very specific energy even if the wreck happened like she had written her sister a letter and said if i don't make it through this for some reason like i want you to have this and basically to sum up what she said was it was worth it even if i go down like it was worth it and i had a good time <laughs> like mm -hmm. like it's it's gonna be okay um, and I think right there is really a key to this whole thing, because what's the message we get over and over and over again from the guides is you have to remember to play. And I think that's why Amelia was fascinating is because from the play close to the very last flight, that was what she was doing. She was playing. That's why the whole initiative felt to me as a child frivolous because the message that I was being sent as a child was eventually playtime ends. 
and you have to be a grown-up. And grown-up equates to miserable and exhausted and overworked and under someone's control with a lack of freedom and always in peril and unsafe because you never know where your next meal is coming from. That's what that's what my adults looked like to me. Mm-hmm. And then over here we have a <clears throat> bronzed statue in front of a uh, christened library with her name on it. And what did she do? She friggin' died. <laughs> she she died and didn't even complete her journey. And as a child, the disparity between those two narratives was so vast. That's where my fascination point with her became. Right. And I'm I'm looking right now at like some of the man. They have just such a vast amount of um beautiful photos of her. And I loved, like, I loved how, like, gritty and natural she was. But at the same time, apparently, she was also kind of a bit of a primper. Like, she wanted to make it look like she wasn't putting any effort in, but she was putting effort in. Hmm. Like, apparently, you know, she had she had that crazy kind of tousled hair that every like that was like her signature Mm -hmm. and she wanted everybody to think that it was like no I woke up this way and I'm not doing anything with it because you know I'm no I'm no pressy press I'm I'm just waking up like this but no apparently she took a curling iron to that head of hair every day (laughs) and curled it and to to give it just the right tousled look that she was trying to achieve and apparently, apparently, she also always had a compact with her and was, you know, very keen to say, well, you know, you never know when, when those photographers are going to show up and want to take photos of you. So you always have to, you know, you always have to look your best. And so did, was trying, you know, was putting forth an effort, did want to be, you know, at least thought of, I guess, as, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not just rolling out of bed every day. Like I'm, I'm making it happen. I'm trying to make it look effortless, but I'm making it happen. And I also find Um, that interesting because as a child, I wondered about her sexuality. Oh, of course. Just, Just mild curiosity. Just like she seemed like she came as close to being authentic in, in a very Catherine Hepburn sort of way. Yeah. Um, but with Amelia, I always, as a child and still to this day, and hopefully I'm not offending anyone um, by saying this, but I always felt like she was a lesbian. And, sure. <clears throat> and I kind of wondered how that affected her life, how it affected her career, how it affected how her personal presentation of herself, given the constraint of the times in which she was born, because she seemed to bust out of that constraint in every other way. You know, women wearing Mm -hmm. pants, women flying alone, uh, a woman not wanting to be just a sack of potatoes sitting in the passenger seat. Um, But you never hear anyone mention her sexuality. Yeah, she had her own fashion line. Did she, she really? Had her own, she had her own line of clothes because she wanted clothes that women could go out 
and do whatever they wanted in. Adventuring. (laughs) Exactly. So that they didn't have to be confined. And I think that was one of the biggest things is she didn't want to be confined. She didn't want to be labeled. She didn't want to, just because she grew up in a nice house, she didn't want to be confined to those stuffy dresses that she couldn't go out and play with everybody else in. She wanted the same kind of freedom that everybody else had. And that seemed like a really big deal to her more than anything else. So not that, not that I think the, the question of her sexuality is just kind of a, you know, a non-question, but I think, I think it's one of those things that I don't actually know if it's something that she thought a whole lot about, because I think she just strived so much to not be conformed to just one thought. Like, if anything, I would have, I would think that she probably had a little closer to, to equal amounts of that pool like towards non-binary femininity. Fluid. And yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and it's just, it's funny to think about because, yeah, looking at her, it's like, one of the other things that they brought up was so she married her publicist and apparently he had been asking and asking and asking and asking her to marry him for a long time and finally instead of actually saying yes she she kind of she kind of said yes, but she handed him a letter apparently on, on the day that they were supposed to like, like they just, they talked about it and it was just kind of a thing that was decided. It wasn't like a thing that she really formally said yes to. It was just kind of decided. And then she handed him a letter apparently on the, the morning of their wedding that said, look, you know how not into this I am. I'm, I'm, I'm not at all <laughs> tied to the thought of, marriage and it really did sound like because marriage seems like you know like a chain (laughs) around her that she just didn't want Mm -hmm. and she said promise me this if if neither of us finds happiness in each other in the next year we just we we go our separate ways we call it quits because i'm i'm not in this to not be happy basically nice Nice. And it's like, how are you? Right. And that's another thing that I think that was, it wasn't conveyed to me in my experience enough. um, The idea of how pragmatic she was and what her focuses were. You could deduce from the fact that she tried to fly around the world that, you know, that was one of her focuses. But that's really, I always took that as a symptom a side mm-hmm. effect of her actual focus. And she seemed to have this, <laughs> to quote ever after, she she looks as though she smiles at me, um, like she knows something I do not, you know? And yeah. she always had that look on her face. And that was the part of Amelia that was never publicized. It was never talked about in history. And even in the documentaries, they might have mentioned it, but it sort of got glossed over. And I felt that's where the real treasure trove of secrets were. Mm-hmm. And I feel like she purposely played it close to the vest. Um, yeah. And I'd like to unravel that a bit. I'd like 
that I'd like to see if that if it's meant for that to come out. Yeah. What yeah. what were your secrets? What were you not saying in in all of those silent newsreels that where the guy is coming in over on the voiceover saying Amelia Earhart this blah 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 you know but you see her smiling and sort of squinting at the camera because the sun is usually in her eyes and her hair her tousled hair is blowing in the wind and it created a canvas for the newsreels to say whatever they wanted but her face was saying so much more. And yeah. I'm and I'm curious what what she would have liked to have broadcast had she been in a position or had she cared enough because I don't really think it's about being in a position with her. I think it's about she didn't care what other people thought. She didn't care what was said about her. Didn't matter. Let them do whatever they want to marketing wise with me. Um, probably as long as it's respectful. That might have been her her boundary. I'm not sure what her boundaries were, but I'm guessing. But I'm curious. There was something behind that gaze of hers. There was something behind that that smirk and squint that she gave the cameras that spoke more to me than any of the old newsreel information that came along with the footage. Yeah. And uh, this this particular documentary that I watched was really interesting because it was um, what was like it I called? said I've I've watched several. I I don't know what the actual title is i'd have to look that back up for you but it was a national geographic uh yeah we'll put it in the insights um this was a national geographic and it has to have been done in just the last couple of years if not this past year um because i think it was recently released because i'm pretty sure that i went through every national geographic thing that i could find and watched all the fun documentaries and i don't remember that one turning up uh the other cool thing about it was there was another person featured and that was mr ballard who found the titanic did the dive to look for her downed plane mm-hmm. in an area mm-hmm. that they hadn't searched before mm-hmm. and so in this particular documentary they were looking at what they call the garden islands which is south of Howard Island where she was actually supposed to have landed. And one of the cool things that they did, and I'm fairly certain because they were playing quite a few reels where you could actually hear her voice. And um, I believe they actually played the recording of, of her last, like her trying to talk to the Itasca. And it's crazy because so I guess this is another part of the story that I never knew before. And I'm kind of curious as to what went on during this downtime. But when they were in, I, I think it's Papua New Guinea was the next to last uh, place where they were at. And apparently when they had originally come in and we're getting ready to leave the plane took off and then like immediately crashed something went haywire and they crashed and it really damaged the plane really really badly they were fine but the plane was not fine and i think it took them three months to patch the plane back together so for three Mm -hmm. months they were hanging out (laughs) 
And the gentleman who was originally doing the flight with her, who was the one who was all up to speed on this new, like, radio technology that they had outfitted the plane with, said, I can't do the rest of this. I'm going home. I'm I'm not risking this this another crash like this bye you're on your own wow whoa and bowed out so fred noonan who was a really excellent navigator was finishing the flight with her but neither of them had any real knowledge of how to use this new um equipment that they had which was supposed to help them really narrow in on their positioning and use, I guess it was using radio frequency to help them do that. They just didn't know how to use it. So that last end of the flight, which was the well, quite possibly the, the most dangerous because they're just flying over ocean was without the help of that cool new technology that they were mm. hanging on to. And so it was right back to, you know, with the sexton and the stars and the sun and all the things. And then they hit cloud cover and we're like, well, this is where we think we are. And we're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth this particular line we're going north and we're going south and we're going north and we're going south because we're trying to find you and the itasca can hear them crystal clear she can't hear the itasca so they keep trying to hail her they can hear her she's getting more and more like hey this is serious guys like (laughs) where are you and they're freaking out because they're like we literally they one of the guys said they rushed out onto the deck of the itasca because they were pretty sure they'd be able to look up and see her because the radio signal was that clear to them oh wow like the guy wrote it down as a clearness of five which is like excellent super duper clear clear as a bell we can hear you (laughs) and she couldn't for whatever reason hear them at all and that has me so puzzled that portion of it of like how in the hell would was it coming through so well to them and she couldn't hear it what was going on with the plane did something short and their radio system and like just the outgoing wasn't coming through and how crazy is that um one of the other things that they talked about was just her you know she was over and over again giving coordinates over and over again trying trying to give some sort of position to them so that they could find them and help them And then, of course, continuing to tell them our fuel is low. Our fuel is really, really low. And then the last thing you hear her say is, wait. And that's it. That's the last signal they ever got from her. Hmm. And when she says, wait, it's like, 
I get this feeling like I can see something. And it's like, what did you see? (laughs) (laughs) I want to know what you saw. Um, And there's apparently a, a, like a aeronautical, I can't remember what it stands for, but their group, the group name is Tiger. It's, uh, let me see if I can find it real quick. Let's see. And I believe it is T-I-G. That's Tigger. No, it's it's spelled funky. Spelled like Tigger. What are they for? Uh, they are, uh, yeah. T-I-G-H-A-R. And they are... And they they have a project that they've been working on a really long time that is the Earhart project, but they are the International Group for Histor- for Historic Aircraft Recovery. Tiger. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones that were basically begging <laughs> somebody, anybody, please investigate this area because we've been looking at it for a for a long long time now um and one of the craziest things is that this little island so this little island is like 200 miles i think south of howard island which was her target and they found a piece of aluminum on the beach when they were looking, um, doing their first like ground investigation that had rivet holes that they're like, what is this? But they took it and matched it against one of the Electras that is still in existence and couldn't find not one hole to match up. Not one. Until they realized that one of the had that big crash. Well, one of the patch jobs that they did after that crash is that they took out a window. Oh. And they patched over the window. And when they took that and put it over a window, the the window, the the same window that it was supposed to have been over, it matches. And it's like is that the piece is that the window piece and it's like well then what the hell happened to the rest of it until they got bob ballard over there and saw the shelf off of that island it is straight down it is a sheer drop and apparently when the tide comes in it's like well (laughs) that plane was just sitting there and you know a couple of good tides come in it's dragging that thing right off the edge and who knows what happened to the landing gear and because that's basically what was the issue the previous time was there was something wrong with the rear landing gear and that caused the the plane to crash previously mm-hmm. um so they're continuing to try to look for for pieces of it but it's like as bob was kind of looking at everything going well you know, think about all the other things that I have found. You don't just do this once. You have to keep coming back and re-exploring, especially when you have something like this where it's like, this is just a sheer drop. 
this stuff could have floated forever and ever and ever and ever. Who knows where it's at? It's got to be somewhere around here, I'm sure. But, um, you know, let's let's look at the other evidence. One of the other things that they found was that some, I want to say like four or five years after the crash, there was a gentleman doing some research on the island and this was part of um, like a British team that came in and they found some bones under a tree and the bones he was suspecting were Amelia Earhart. He's like, I think these are female bones. I found a couple other things around the area and I think this might be her bones. So they shipped them not to the United States, where there are plenty of facilities who could have checked that out for them. No, no. They sent it back to one of their other labs that was like British colonial, some other island where the doctor was like, no, no, these are male bones. And I'm like, anthropology, anthropology, physical anthropology lab. I could tell you that that wasn't a man. Come on now. This this is not rocket science. This is this is pretty easy stuff. To How tell. could you tell? Um, so a couple of things: the size of the skull. So female skulls are are a lot smaller. There's um, uh, certain indention places that you're looking at, like across the top of the skull and the circumference of the skull. The other thing that you're looking for is the mandible. Um, a uh, male's mandible is going to be quite a bit larger and very squared off. And in female bones, they are much smaller and uh, not as sharp at the jawline. And then the other thing that they were looking at are femurs. And the femurs are just going to be smaller overall. Even if you're a tall individual, the bones are smaller bones. They just are. It's consistent. Uh, it's incredibly consistent. One of the other things that come to find out, she had really bad sinus problems and apparently had multiple surgeries to try to get it corrected. Multiple exploratory surgeries trying to get her sinuses corrected. And so had they brought that skull back to a facility that could have looked at the nasal cavity area, while it was still all intact, they could have been able to identify her probably just from that alone because they could have seen all the areas where they had drilled up through her nasal passages. So it's like, come on! <laughs> why why <laughs> but this see is bone somewhere? This is a theme that's been coming up for me for a mm -hmm. while because I've always been someone who, you know, as a child, I wanted to be an archaeologist. At one point, I wanted to be paleontologist. I've always had a fascination for exploring history, but in a more physical sense, very much the treasure hunter, very much the have to discover what happened. Why is this a mystery? I have to solve that mystery kind of person. And one of the things that came up recently around that, regarding that, was that things will not be revealed until they're ready to be revealed. Yeah. Having said that, a lot of what is revealed does not exist yet until we align with the energy that is in resonance 
with the evidence existing to begin with. It's and the if, midst of Avalon. <laughs> well, yeah. And if it if that doesn't mess you up, I don't know what will. But essentially, it means that sometimes the evidence doesn't exist. In fact, the period, the evidence doesn't exist until we are aligned with it to exist. And it, that's what spiritual teachers mean when when we go and heal ourselves, we're healing our family lines, we're changing history. The, it, you know, the our effect on the on the future and the past, our effect on the past is entropic. We we change it as we change. And so a lot of times when they say new discovery, my guides are quick to chime in and go, why do you think it's a new discovery? Discovery, do you, yeah. Do you think it's just been lying under the sands this whole time when, you know, people had explored that and thought that and dug there and done that all those times? Do you think they just happened to miss it? Or can we tell you that it's the world is finally in a place where it's aligning to the answer? The dimensional so, space rotated and and opened up in such a way yes. to reveal that thing that you knew was all what well, you always knew was there, but you couldn't you couldn't get your inner knowing to show up and claim it. You were too busy trying to believe a thing that most people were trying to tell you was unbelievable. And you can't know a thing that you're trying to believe. You either know it or you don't. So until don't you even, make that connection. I don't even know if I agree with that. I agree with that in certain instances, but there's a larger picture here. And the larger picture is, does the world need the energy of that answer anchored in right now? Are they ready for sure. that perception to um, – are they open to having their minds blown in that way? Because there have been a few instances over the course of time where things have been discovered. In fact, the one that comes to mind right now actually is our first piece of photographic ghost evidence that we ever captured. We were not ready to have our minds blown that way. And we certainly didn't believe that anyone else was going to be ready to have their minds blown that way. And so what did we do? We didn't want to release it. We didn't want to put it out there because we were still saying, no way. There's no way. We couldn't believe it. Mm -hmm. You know, we we knew exactly how it was captured. We knew that you had captured it, that you were all by yourself. We even went back to debunk it months later because even after we had released it and did come up against a substantial amount of that's not real, blah, 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 the typical stuff that you'd expect to come up against. Mm -hmm. We went back months later and tried to debunk it ourselves. We took maybe like 200 frames trying to figure out how yeah. that happened. And it's because what we found blew our minds to the point where we were like, denial was easier than acceptance. Mm -hmm. And I think that for a lot of these huge discoveries, a lot of the treasure hunters they are aligned to a frequency of possibility that perhaps the collective is not. And that enables them to force, not necessarily an early, because that suggests that it wasn't meant to happen, but their energy is so powerful in their search and their exploration that they are able to manifest perhaps what might be considered an early 
arrival of information or fact or evidence that otherwise would have remained hidden. And when we talk about doing this exploration of taking you into a session and having you connect with this energy, not just Amelia, but whatever came before it, the, the guides are clearly telling me that this is this is the exploration I was geared to. This mm-hmm. is why I always want to play like this. This is my biggest sense of play. Yeah. I have several several areas where I'm like, wee, it's playtime. But this is like the area. This is the area that's been with me, that supernatural, paranormal, quote unquote, um, for lack of better word, area has always been my main stage. Mm-hmm. And so when you came to me with this, I was like, well, of course we can do it. Why Why wouldn't we be able to do it? Of course we can. <laughs> a, you channel without going into session. B, um, we have the tool of QHHT at our disposal. And C, I was born to explore this kind of mystery. Otherwise, it wouldn't have occurred to me when I was like four, <laughs> right. five, six, seven, eight. All throughout my my formative years, I was like, I can't wait till I get to the day where I can talk to dead people about their lives. <laughs> like, right. Things like that. I do. <laughs> so none of this is surprising to me. And I 100% believe that we are going to come up with some interesting, interesting uh, information as a result. Yeah. And I kind of want to know what everybody else thinks, too. Like, what kind of questions would you ask? If you could ask Amelia Earhart something, what would you want to know? Mm-hmm. What would, what sticks out to you? What seems like one of those things that just gnaws on you that you're like, ugh, I have to know. Like, what mm-hmm. happened in this instance? Or, or what made you want to do this crazy flight or what were you thinking in those moments? What did you see when you said, wait, what did you see? What do you know? And then what has your journey been like since like, where has your energy gone? Where is it? Is mm-hmm. it, I'm, I'm sure a little bit is living in me and has piqued my interest to the point where I'm like, I want to ask more questions. I mm-hmm. want to know about what came before. So I'm I'm curious about it and I'm curious as to what everybody else thinks. So when you hear this episode, make sure you jot a few things down and shoot it over to us because we'd love to add that. I think that you would be can, fun. You can comment uh, on Patreon. You can comment on Instagram or DM us through Instagram uh, using our inside voice. Um, and you can email us. The links are always listed on our Patreon mm-hmm. posts and, uh, and we're here for it. We want to know what you want to know. And if you happen to listen to us through good pods, which is just another, you know, one of those fun platforms, good pods is kind of cool because it actually allows you to interact with us. So you can actually write comments to us, um, about the episode, like, where you're listening to the episode if you're listening there i think that's kind of cool but mm-hmm. yeah so the the intention is to you know start writing some of these questions down and kind of prepare a little bit and then go into session and see what happens because ultimately this is kind of also where we're wanting to partner up 
with our individual projects and kind of cross over and do the ancestry meets the uh, past life regression. I think that's, I think that's way cool. This will be a fun way to test that. Um, I already have a, a few more things that are popping up in the, back of my mind at the moment and uh, <laughs> a few more people to test with because nice. I got some really fun people actually so do you we have some really cool people well we know we're related so mm-hmm. um we got some really cool people hanging out in in our ancestry and I think it would be fun to pay them a visit say hey cuz what's up let's mm-hmm. let's have a chat mm-hmm. we want to know more so Tell us and what really, you think it's, about that. It's not just about figuring out the uh, mundane, as interesting as they may be, but the mundane facts of what happened on the planet. The real question is, why did it happen? Was it meant to happen mm-hmm. as it did? Was it a surprise? Um, what was the agenda behind what would ha- what happened? There are so many ways to go with this. And I'm really looking forward to actually doing the session. But we need your help to come up with questions because a session is only as good as the questions asked. Yeah. And I think it's just fun kind of turning loose on the uh, the audience a little bit because you guys are going to think of things that we don't. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And you can also check in with us at the next Discord meetup after That's the episode right. releases. And you can tell us there. And we so the episode to do voice chat. So woohoo! <laughs> the episode if you don't drops, want to text. <laughs> the episode drops on uh, every other Thursday. And every Saturday after we release an episode, we do a Discord meetup. Um, we've just introduced voice. It used to be text chat and you can still do text chat if you're comfortable with that but uh if you do voice you don't have to type so it's a a little less cumbersome uh however we do have some people who end up coming to our discord from costco and trader joe's that is a common experience so if you're one of those people join us from anywhere really anywhere yeah and sometimes that person is me I must admit. That's true. Sometimes it is. Oh, my goodness, guys. Well, it looks like we've done the thing, I think. Agreed. So you know how to reach out to us now. It's up to you. The ball's in your court. Make it happen. We'll be waiting. Woo. All right. See you next time.